0: Thank you all for being flexible with us today. Those that are watching online are still getting all the stuff on the screens that y'all aren't. Uh, Let me direct your attention to friendshipwired.com. If you want to follow along with the sermon notes, it's all on there. This is a great day to take advantage of that. If you're not used to doing that, everything that I'll talk about today, all the scriptures, everything will be uh, in that digital bulletin and sermon notes. So just look for that at friendshipwired.com. You know, one of the things I thought about as we were singing... um, is you know, I love hearing the pages of your Bibles turn, but I never thought about hearing the pages of your song sheets turning. All right. That was that never entered my mind, but it was cool to hear that as well. Thank you all for being here today. We are in week number two of this short little sermon series that I'm calling Words of Life. And it's all about the power of words. We said it last week. You know it's true that words are so, so powerful. The words that we speak are So powerful and yet we live in a culture of noise where words are thrown around carelessly and recklessly off online and offline. Right. And we all are guilty of this. And I don't know about you. I think you're all with me in this that I want to use my words, the, the, the speech and the talk. Um, the, the things that I say to have an impact, to influence, to bless others, to build others up, to give grace to others, and what we said last week is that it all starts by listening well. And we look at James chapter one, verses nineteen and twenty, that tell us that we are to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And I use the word picture. Maybe you remember it. That we're to begin by being the what? Anybody remember? Being the cup not the dispenser and the only picture i was going to show today thankfully was i wanted to show again the picture of my wife with her you know 132 ounce slurpee that she was drinking from um, our bring your own cup slurpee day and fill that up and so the idea being we're we're to be the cup not the dispenser we're to receive and listen and and hear from others we're to be slow to speak And the cool thing was I got to hear some cool stories from a handful of folks this week about opportunities that God gave y'all to to listen to others well. And uh, man, I love hearing those stories. So if you have those kind of things, feel free to share those with me. Uh, Andrew at friendshipwire.com is my email. You can email me anytime. Uh, I love hearing those things. But we talked about before we can ever speak words of life to others, it starts with listening, being people who listen well. And you know, sometimes all we can do All we need to do is is listen, but we also need to know how to speak, how to speak words of life. And and I said this last week that throughout our lives, we've no doubt heard or we've spoken words that hurt other people or that damaged other people. But I think for me, one of the things I think about is that I think it's often words that have been left unsaid. Do you know what I mean? There's, There's things that, man, I wish I heard in my life from people or I heard more often, or even, you know, as one who speaks, there's things, there's times where I'm like, I've left things unsaid. I haven't spoken things to people that could have helped them. And I just kind of kept my mouth shut. Um, and, and I kind of asked the question, like, why is that? You know, it's, it's, easier to left, uh, to, it's, it's easier to say nothing, isn't it? It's easier to think good things. Have you ever thought good things towards someone, but but never spoken that to that person? It's easier to, to do that, um, but the scriptures say to, to be quick to hear and slow to speak. So that doesn't mean don't speak, it just means, man, be slow and careful and thoughtful in how you speak, but speak. We need to speak words of life to others. And maybe the reason sometimes we leave things unsaid is because we don't, we don't fully grasp this truth, and this is the big point, the big idea for this morning is this. Our words have the power to breathe life into others. Our words have the power to breathe life into others. And I think sometimes the reason I, I don't speak freely sometimes, sometimes I keep my mouth shut, is because I don't realize how much power my words have that, that I could actually breathe life into people with the words that, that I speak. And, and so when I think of this idea of, of breathing life, uh, I think about CPR, how many of y'all like maybe in high school or somewhere in adulthood have taken like a CPR class or training in CPR, okay? Um, I remember, I think it was like my freshman year. And one of the things I remember, um, you know, we did the whole CPR training in school and you have kind of the, the dummy and, you know, the part that kind of freaks a teenage boy out, you know what part it is? It's the mouth to mouth, resuscitation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't wanna do that unless maybe it's a cute girl, then maybe, okay, that's cool. I'm, I, you may be able to force me to do that. But I don't want to. I don't want to put my mouth on somebody else's mouth. This is weird. But like the older I get, the more I go, man, what an incredible thing CPR to this, like to to actually breathe oxygen into the lungs of, of somebody else and help resuscitate them, to bring life back to them. What an amazing thing! And so I think of this idea of using our words as kind of like spiritual CPR, or like breathe life into people that our our words have that kind of of power and i don't think we often think about the power of our words and so today this sermon is called breathe life and my prayer is that just we would get a little bit of insight into the life-giving power of our words and how to use them well and I, i mean that seriously a little bit of of insight because this is such a big important topic that we can never cover in one sermon even though I'm going to give it a shot. All right, so breathe life. And what I want to do is is I want to look at a picture of life-giving words in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 37. I just want to read this passage to you or with you. Uh, Ezekiel 37, you you may be familiar with this passage, but what what you see in Ezekiel 37 is, is God is instructing his prophet Ezekiel to prophesy to this valley of dry bones, and what you see here you know to prophesy just means to speak forth truth, and so Ezekiel comes to this valley of dry bones, and God uses him to speak life or to breathe life into this valley of of dry bones and so I just want to read this kind of as an introduction to what we 're talking about today because I want this to be a picture for us of how God breathes life into dead things, and how we can as image bearers of God, use our words to breathe life into others. And so Ezekiel 37, starting in verse number one, we're going to read verses one through 14. It says, starting in verse number one, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And this is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, "Son of man, can these bones live?" I think this is such an intriguing question that he asks the prophet. He's like, "Hey, man, can these bones live?" And I think Ezekiel has seen God's activity and His work enough to be like, mm, uh, "Here's my answer." He said, "O oh Lord God, you know." You know, you're the one who knows. I'm pleading the fifth, all right? I know you can do it. You know what you're going to do, all right? So verse number four. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and so he tells him this first time, what we see here in this passage is he tells him to prophesy a couple times. The first time he tells him to prophesy and we see these bones come together, verse number five, I will, uh, I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And so he says, go prophesy, oh, dry bones, hear, hear the word of the Lord. And so, so Ezekiel prophesies, he speaks the word of the Lord and we see bone comes to bone and sinew and flesh all comes and, and but he looks at these, body, these bones and bodies that have come together and there's no breath in them. And so he tells them to prophesy a second time. Verse number nine. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. The first time he said prophesy to the bones, now he says prophesy to the breath. And what you see throughout the scripture is a lot of times this idea of breath is related to the Holy Spirit. Spirit which could, which could be translated Breath. And he says, verse number nine, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet in exceedingly great army, and so he prophesies to the bones. The bones come together, covered with flesh, and then he says, prophesy a second time to the breath. Oh, breath, come and fill these bones with life, and and this breath comes and breathes into them life, and they, they rise up, this exceedingly great army. Verse 11, what is all this about? What is this? What is telling us? He says in verse number 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of of Israel. This is the nation of Israel, God's people. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and I will raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel." And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and I raise you from your graves, O oh, my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. And here's what's going on in this passage. There's a physical picture of a of a reality that, that God is, is talking about here. He says... This is, uh, this is picturing the restoration of the nation of Israel, God's people who are at this point in exile. They've been carried away from, from, from Jerusalem, from Israel. They're in captivity in Babylon. They're spiritually dead and far from God. And he says, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna breathe life into you. I'm gonna bring you back to the land where you belong. But before you return to Jerusalem, you've gotta first return to the Lord. And so I'm going to breathe life into you. I'm going to call you back to myself and I'm going to, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And so what we see, this, this amazing picture here, uh, the book of Ezekiel is probably most well known for this, this story, the valley of dry bones and how God brought these bones together and then breathed life into them. And the picture here and the pattern that we see all throughout the Bible and all throughout our lives is that God uses his word and his spirit to breathe life into dead things. Yeah, don't miss this. God uses his word and his spirit to breathe life into dead things. And so you know what? I'm, I'm bummed out this morning that we don't have technology. But at the same time, you know what we need? We need his word and his spirit. And that's all we need to breathe life into our souls. And this is a pattern throughout scripture. And this is, this is what God does for us at salvation. He, he, he reveals himself to us through his word and the spirit. If you've ever put your faith in Jesus, it's because you heard the truth of the word of God and his spirit stirred you up and, and made you submit yourself to him. It's through his word and through his spirit. Hopefully every time that we gather together, we open the word of God And the word of God is proclaimed and Jesus is held up. And hopefully what happens when we gather corporately is that the spirit of God moves. And he convicts and he encourages and he challenges. That's way more than I can do with my words. But it's something that God's spirit does. And he breathes life into us. Some for the very first time. Hopefully every time that we gather together, he breathes life into us through his word And through his spirit. And hopefully every single time that you get with the Lord personally, this is what happens. This is why we we talk about doing quiet time with the Lord or spending time reading the Bible. Because the hope is that as you open his word and you hear his words speak to your soul, that his spirit will move and breathe life into you. Brand new. Every single morning. Every single time you step into his presence personally. This is what God does. He uses his word and his spirit. And here's the thing. As image bearers of God, every single one of us created in the image of God, we bear his image. God's desire is that he would be able to use us in this very same way. That we could bring his word and we could bring the power of his spirit to others and we could breathe life into other people. Our words have the power to do that. And so I want to talk about that a little bit more this morning. How do, we, how do we breathe life into others with our words? How do we administer spiritual CPR, if you will? Because the reality is, man, we we never get too old, we never get past the point of needing needing others to encourage and breathe life into us. Amen? Man, we constantly need this. And so I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. This one verse, you know, when we talk about our, our speech and our talk and how we use our words, there's two passages I think of right off the bat. One is James chapter 1, which we looked at last week. And maybe even before that is this, this verse in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verse number 29. And here, and it's interesting, as you look at the context, we've looked at Ephesians a lot over the last number of months and even the last couple years. He's talking to the church, and he's talking about the function of the the body of Christ, and he comes down to chapter 4, verse 29, and talks about how we speak to one another. And he says in Ephesians 4, verse number 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let me read it one more time. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is man this is this verse is so rich in just practical application. Like how do we actually speak in a way that honors God, that builds others up, that gives grace? And so I just want to kind of break this down phrase by phrase. Ephesians four twenty nine. How do we breathe life into others with the words that we use? The first thing is this, is no corrupt talk. Okay, so eliminate the garbage. The first thing he says here is let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. So he basically says, eliminate the junk. Like think of think of the words that we use sometimes it's just like worthless and pointless and we just spit things out. You know the word corrupt here could be translated foul or abusive language. Also be translated rotten or unwholesome or worthless. Uh, So he says, man, get rid of all the the worthless talk, the corrupt, rotten, unwholesome, the foul stuff you say, the abusive things you say. Man, before you're ever going to speak anything good, clear that stuff out of the way you talk. Eliminate that. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, do I speak... abusive or rotten language. Uh, I, try to, I try to keep that, you know, I try to minimize that in my life. But even that word worthless, you know, I just think about in the New Testament, it talks about like every idle word, man, is going to be accounted for. And I just think, man, how many worthless things do I say? Worthless words, and I just talk, and I'm not slow to speak, and I just spit things out. And He says, let let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Because those kind of words, and just think about it. Do the words I speak, are they breathing life into somebody else? And if they're not, he says, eliminate it. Get it out. Just let it have no part of, of your speech. But then he moves on and he says this. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good, for building up. So in other words, only use words that build up. Only use words that, that build up. And so what he says here is limit your language to that which builds others up. The biblical word that we see a lot or we hear a lot is the word edify, which could be translated as building or, you know, one of the old words that we don't use much as Edifice. Right, and, I, and I think about, you know, I've talked about it before in our neighborhood, all these homes popping up. And you, you go from a, a, a patch of grass to, you know, cleared out land to, um, you know, a foundation being laid. And then the frame comes up. And then you just, you see this thing over the course of time, this building being built up or, or growing, right? And this is the idea that our language should, should promote growth. That it should build others up as opposed to what? What's the opposite of building up? tearing down, right? He says only use words that build up. Limit your language to things that will help others grow and build them up and encourage them and and help them. You know, one of the things I do as I I study and as I look at scriptures is uh, as I look at other Bible translations. Um, The translation I use most often is the ESV, the English Standard Version, which I love. But I think it's helpful to kind of Compare translations and see how the the uh, translators translate things from the original Hebrew and Greek into English. And so, I love how the NLT, the New Living Translation, translate translates this phrase. The way it's worded is this: "Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say be good and helpful." And so this is this idea of, of building up, of edifying others, of promoting growth in other people through the things that you say. So no corrupt talk, eliminate the garbage, and then only use words that that build up. Let me let me give you an illustration. This is one of the things I wish could be on the screens for y'all. It'll be on the screens for those online. You've heard some variation of this, I'm sure. Uh, we actually had a conversation about this a number of weeks ago in our Tuesday night connection group. Um, but it's it's an acrostic, and it says before you think, or before you before you speak, think. And so it's an acrostic T H I N K. And so, it, and I'll post this on social media later, so you have so you have a visual of this. And it's also in the sermon notes. So ask yourselves these questions: T, is it true? Y'all heard these, these questions before you speak, think. Think of these things. Is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? So before you speak, ask your, think about and ask yourself these questions. Is it true? Is what I'm about to say, or could I, could I say it this way, what I'm about to post, or, what I'm about to comment on somebody else's post, in any way that you speak and in text and in all these things, in any ways that you communicate, think is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And we could spend a lot of time on there. I, th- I think most of y'all have heard some version of that. But these are things to think about before we speak. Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind? In other words, Are these words that will help? Are are these going to be good and helpful to others? Is it going to build others up? If not, maybe I should be slow to speak and not speak those things. And so no corrupt talk. Use only words that, that build up. Here's another phrase that I think is really important. Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. And here's the next phrase, as fits the occasion, as it fits the occasion. So here here's a question to think when we're speaking to others. Does what I'm about to say, does this fit this person's needs in this moment? Is this fitting? Does it fit the occasion? Does it fit this person's needs in this moment? And, and let me refer to other a couple other translations. The New American Standard it says it this way: according to the need of the moment. According to the need of the moment. The NIV translates it this way: according to their needs. All right. So the idea is is, is I'm going to speak something, but I want to. It's it's kind of a an issue of timing. Like is what I'm going to. What I'm about to say, is it, is it fitting for this person in this moment? So let me, let me give you an example of this. You know, something may be true and it may be kind, it may be helpful, but the timing, it may not fit the moment. So, can I, so for an example, one of the verses that is, is used often, it's an incredible verse of scripture and it's an incredible truth. Romans 8, 28. Right, you, you all know what it says. All things work together for good, right? For those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. God uses all things. God works all things together for good. But if you're talking to somebody who has just lost somebody that they love dearly, it may not be the right time and the right moment to say, "Well, Romans eight twenty eight, God works all things together for good." because this person is going to go, so you're, I mean, so you're going to tell me that God killed the person that I love for my good. Okay, whatever, right? That doesn't land well in that moment. Now we all get it when we look in our rearview mirror and we look back on our life and man, God does have a way of working things together for our good that we don't understand in the moment, sometimes never in this lifetime. But that's a truth that is true and it's, it's helpful, but it may not be helpful in that moment. Right? You understand what I'm saying? As it fits the occasion. And so this is why it's so important to be slow to speak. Because we're 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 asking ourselves these questions. We're trying to think, is this true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it fitting for this occasion? Is it fitting for this occasion? Does it fit this person in this moment? And then there's a fourth part of this. It's it's the goal of of all this. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. And here's, here's the goal of all this, the very last phrase. The reason we do this is that it may give grace to those who hear. The purpose of being quick to hear and slow to speak the reason that we eliminate the garbage from our language and we limit what we say to only what builds up and the reason we consider is as fitting for this person in this moment is because our goal in all of this is we want to minister grace we want to give grace to people who hear us so think about what grace is all right this is theology 101 grace is is unmerited favor from God. It's undeserved kindness. In other words, it's it's saying, Man, I don't deserve this. When when somebody shows you a kindness that you don't feel like you deserve, you're like, Man, you're you're being so gracious to me. And this is the grace of God. The fact that we as sinners have have cut off our our communion with God because of our sinfulness against a holy God. And there's nothing that we could do to reverse that or change that or to eliminate that on our own. And so God in his love for us and in his mercy and in in his grace, he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty of our sins that we could never ever pay on our own. This is the grace of God, unmerited favor and undeserved kindness from the God of the universe. This is what grace is. It's amazing, amen? And when we speak to people, and I I need this as much as you do. I'm so guilty of this that, that I don't think about the fact that my words have the power to give God's grace to the hearers. That in the way that I speak to others, man, they can hear and receive and get a glimpse of God's grace and love for them by how I speak my words to them. I can actually give grace. I can actually, here's that phrase again, breathe life into people with my words. Wow. Wow. Is what I'm saying, is it giving God's grace to this person? Is it, am I breathing life into them? Because here's the truth about the grace of God. God's grace always puts wind in our sails. Amen. It always breathes life into us it always builds us up. It always encourages us. It always helps us. And and this is what he calls us to do in our words, is to give grace to breathe life into others. And you know, I I think sometimes when we think of this, we we feel the pressure of like, okay, I've got to say the perfect words. And I think we all like, man, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to blow this. I don't want to mess this up. And I don't think that's the point is we got to have the, the perfect words. I think this has to do as much with how we say what we say as much as the very words that we say. In other words, is this something that Jesus might say to someone in the way that Jesus would say it to them? Maybe you're one of these people, um, or maybe you know someone like this, where it's, I'm just just telling you, I'm just saying it like it is, right? I'm just telling you the truth. If you don't like it, tough. Sorry. It's true. That's not real helpful, right? That's not going to, it may be true, not real helpful in that moment. It's not going to build someone up. It's not going to give grace to the hearers. But if you come with a spirit of, man, I want to give you grace. I want to bless you. I want to serve you. I want to help you. I'm going to speak words that breathe life into you. You don't have to have the perfect words. They're going to sense the spirit of God taking your words and and your attitude and your posture. And God's going to use it to breathe life into people. I know there's been times where I'm like, oh, I totally blew that. I did not say the right thing, but it didn't matter because God was able to take my poor words Because I had a spirit to help someone and serve someone. And God was able to use those words to breathe life into someone else. Is this something that Jesus would say to someone in the way that he would say it? So Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So I just want to take... A couple minutes before we end this to give you three examples. Three types of life-giving words. Okay, and I want to see a couple scriptures that give us examples of this. Three types of life-giving words. So how do I speak? What are some words that I could use that would speak life to others? Three, three big kind of categories. Number one, words of promise. Words of promise. In other words, taking God's truth and, and, and holding them out to others so that they could grab hold of them. Words of of promise. So let let me give you a a few examples. And there's, of course, the whole scriptures, the whole Bible is full of them. Let me give you four of them that just come off the top of my head. Maybe you all need to hear these words of life in your life right now. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so here's the word of promise to somebody. Man, I wanna remind you that God said His grace is sufficient for you. I know what you're experiencing is is tough and difficult, but I wanna remind you that God said His grace is enough, that He will supply the grace that you need. Those are words of, of promise. Philippians 1, verse 6 I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So here's the words of promise. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're experiencing. But here's the word to you is that God's not done with you yet. God has not finished working on you and in you. What he started in you, he will be faithful to complete it. He's not done working on you yet. That's a word of promise. This isn't an attaboy. These are words of life. God has given us words of promise here 's another one hebrews thirteen five for He has said, "I will never leave you, nor what forsake you that God is with you. The Lord hears you, He will never leave you or forsake you, that He may not solve your problem today or tomorrow or in the way that you want him to, but man, He is with you, and he is never ever going to leave your side these are words of of promise Uh, here's one last one psalm 34 verse 18 psalm 34 verse 18 the lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit the lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit man the lord hears you he hears your heart man he 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 knows that your spirit is crushed and he is, he is with you. He is near to you and he hears you and he wants to save you. He wants to redeem everything that you're experiencing. These are words of promise. And again, the scriptures, full of them from cover to cover. But you want to give life-giving words. You're like, I don't know what to say. Give him God's words, which requires knowing them and meditating on them yourself and maybe memorizing and 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 the hard work of of doing that. But, man, you want to give words of life, give words of of promise. Here's some other life-giving words. Words of pleasure. Words of promise, words of pleasure. And I want to give God the Father as the ultimate example of this when he says in Luke chapter 3, verse number 22, this is Jesus when he comes on the scene of his public ministry and he's baptized Publicly, and, and we see in Luke 3, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. So it's the voice of God the Father. And you know what the voice of God the Father says? In this moment, he says to Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well, what? Pleased. So the voice of the Father to his son, he says, man, This is my beloved son. This is my boy. Man, I love you. I'm pleased with you. These are words of pleasure that that we see God the Father, we hear God the Father speak to his, his son. You all know words of pleasure. It doesn't matter how old you are, how mature you are, how powerful you are, how independent you are. Man, to hear somebody speak, words of pleasure to you. Like, man, I believe in you. I see something in you. I see the love of God in you. And I'm so proud of who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're 12 or 20 or 45, you hear those words from somebody, man, they breathe life into you. They breathe life into you. Words of pleasure. I'm proud of you. I see something in you. I love you. I believe in you. I'm I'm so pleased with you. You bring me such joy. Those are hard words to speak, but they bring life. They breathe life into people. Words of promise, words of pleasure, words of prayer. Third one words of prayer. And we see this over and over and over again throughout the letters of Paul in the New Testament. I just read, want to read a few examples Colossians 1, verse 3. Paul says to the Colossians, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Verse nine. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Man, we're praying for you all the time. And every time we do, we thank God for you. And Ephesians 1, 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Man, I'm always Praying for you. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly, remember, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. We're constantly praying for you. Praying for you. Praying for you. Have you all ever received a text or something where somebody said, man, I'm praying for you today. Or you shared something hard with them and they're like, man, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Or someone who has just stopped you and said, look, can I pray with you? Man, I'm telling you. Words of prayer are powerful. They breathe life into you. When you pray for, when you pray with someone, man, you know what that says? It says, I love you enough to bring you and your requests and your needs before the throne of grace. Because he's the one that can help you. You know, a week ago, over a week ago, um, we have this women's community group uh, in our church. They meet on Thursday nights. They've been doing this for for a long time. Open to any women who are interested. Wednesdays at, uh, sorry, Thursdays at 630. um, They had contacted Annette, my wife, and said, hey, would you all, would you and Pastor Andrew mind coming in at the beginning of our our Bible study? We just want to pray over y'all. And we're like, hey, yeah, Sure. I told myself I wasn't going to get emotional on this, but we came in for all of seven minutes. And we sat down, and these ladies gathered around us. And you know what they did? They just prayed for us. They prayed for our family. They prayed for our church. They just prayed blessing over us. And these are tears of joy, (laughs) all right? Powerful that breathed life into me when someone says, I love you enough and I care about you enough that I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring your request before the throne of grace because God is the one who's powerful and that wants to work on your behalf. And so let me pray for you. Those are words of life. How How easy is it for us to just text someone in the course of a day and say, man, I'm praying for you. I love you. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. God's not done with you. Man, these are words of of life and as we speak these words I'm telling you we give grace to the hearers. And again it doesn't matter how old you are, smart, powerful, independent, mature, any of those things that you become these kind of words never ever ever grow old. Amen. They never grow old. And sometimes what happens is as we grow older, we don't hear them as often, we don't hear them as much and and you know Maybe won't say them as much, but they're so powerful. And again, God always uses his word and his spirit to breathe life into dead things. From the beginning in Genesis, you know, chapter 1, even in verse 3, where God speaks and says, let there be light, and the light came, and through his word, through his, his, his spoken word, things that didn't exist came into existence From the beginning to Ezekiel to the Valley of Dry Bones where he raised these these dry bones to life. All the way to your salvation, the moment you first trusted in Christ. And all along, God always uses his word and his spirit to breathe life into us. And the question is this morning, will you, will you allow him to use you to speak words of life? to breathe life into other people. And what might happen this year if every single one of us became devoted? I mean, every single one of us in, in this church were to become devoted to being this kind of people, that I'm going to be slow to speak, and I want to, I want to not have corrupting talk coming out of my mouth, but only that which builds up. And I am want to speak in a way that fits the occasion and that gives grace to the hearers? What if every single one of us said this year, I want to speak life into people. I want to breathe life. I want to be an instrument of grace to others. What would happen in your home? And what would happen in your workplace? And what would happen in this church? And what would happen in our community if we said we are going to be this kind of people? That we're not just going to give our two cents. We're not just going to share our opinion. We're not just going to try to give our piece of wisdom. But man, we're going to share words of life that breathe life into people. Words of promise and words of pleasure and words of prayer. What if we did this as a church? Every single one of us. All I know is this. that It would be like a breath of fresh air in our homes and our workplace and In our community and in our church, might it even stir up revival in us and amongst us? If we were to be the type of people that say, I'm going to be quick to hear. I'm going to be slow to speak. But when I speak, I'm going to speak words that breathe life and that give grace to people. That'd be an amazing thing. Amen. And so I want to pray over us that this would be the type of people that we would be, that we would speak words of life. I want to give you a heads up for next week. Next week is Father's Day. Um, We're going to end this series. Uh, It's going to be a pretty uh, personally important day for us. Father's Day, it's going to be my oldest son's last Golly, why am I so emotional today? It's going to be his last Sunday with us. We're going to look at Proverbs 3. So if you want to get a head start, you may know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, But throughout the Proverbs, what you see, there's a lot of words from father to a son. And So next week, we're going to talk about words from father to a son as we celebrate Father's Day together. Can I pray for us today? Would you bow your heads with me? God, you're so good and you're so gracious. And we just want to... Reflect on and remember and receive your grace today. Thank you for lavishing us with that which we do not deserve the love and the mercy and the kindness of a Savior. And so we're thankful today, Lord, that you are one who breathes life into dead things. For some of us, there was a point where you breathed your spirit into our dead spirit and gave us life, eternal life. Lord, for some, maybe they're still in that point where they need to surrender themselves to you today. And maybe this would be the day whereas they have heard the word of truth, the word of grace, maybe your spirit would do something in them to stir up their spirit, to bring them to a place of just repentance just calling upon you and turning their life over to you. Maybe that's the day of, today's the day of salvation for someone. God, we pray that it would be. But God, today for all of us, we wanna thank you for your grace and we wanna ask that you would use us as givers of grace, as people who would speak grace, that we would breathe life into others in the same way in which you have breathed life into us, in the same way in which you continually breathe life into us, through your word and through your spirit. God, thank you for your goodness today. Help us to represent you well. Help us to breathe life into others. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Why don't you stand? Let's continue to worship today.